ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 beautiful people. How's it going? Just got back from uh, a, a, a good day out of mount, downhill mountain biking. I really do love downhill mountain biking, especially in this time of the year in the UK because obviously the weather's a lot warmer and the forests are beautiful. They really are. It's, it really comes alive in the, in, the, in the summer in the UK in the forests. But I've just been downhill mountain biking and I really love downhill mountain biking because it really forces you to be completely in the moment. You can't... When you're going down the trails and you're going down them so fast... In them moments, you can't you can't analyze or think about your day to your life. You can't even I can't think about the podcast. I can't think about all the challenges I'm going through in my head or whatever it is. It just completely forces you to be in the mind. To, sorry, to be in the moment. And it to me, in a weird way, it's like a sort of a form of meditation in a way. And I really do sort of revel when you can just get in that flow state, not think about anything else. And I think you need to take you need to take the opportunity to to do that more often and that's a sort of a reminder to myself as well but if you can find something find something like that that can force you to be in the moment it doesn't have to be meditation it doesn't have to be just sitting still you can you can even play a sport or whatever it is but always have to remember that there's many different paths to that to find that stillness in in the mind and i just wanted to briefly talk about a little experience i had the other day where i was because I like going for a lot of walks in the woods and stuff and I really do sort of like getting away from sort of modern day society, leave my phone in the house and just go for these nice walks through the woods. And I had this very interesting encounter where I was walking through the woods and I stumbled across this uh, a deer and normally the place that I go to is this, you come across, you, every now and again you'll stumble across a deer but you can never ever get anywhere close to them because they'll hear you from for at least 500, 600 yards away. And they'll and they'll just run off. But on this interesting occasion, what happened is is I was walking around the corner, and for some reason, I just completely stumbled across this deer, and it was in, in basically in touching distance between me and itself. And I just had this very amazing and uh, magical moment where it was just me and the deer, sort of just looking at each other and staring at the sort of the depths of each other's eyes, which I thought was really fascinating. But just to tie into that, which I thought was interesting, this was actually only five days after I had the the psychedelic experience that I, that I spoke about the other, the other last podcast. And to be honest with you, that's I'm still trying to really um, come down from that experience because it really has sort of um, rattled my mind, so to say. But what I thought was interesting with the experience that I had and in regards to psychedelics as well and feeling that it was still in my system, in, in the past when, and I'm sure people, if people have um, had the experience of magic mushrooms before, I'm sure you'll relate to this, but when you when you ingest certain psychedelics like magic magic mushrooms and you do and you do it in a forest or you do it around where other, where other creatures are insects and animals and birds, there's this weird thing that happens where you get the sense that the animals and the environment and 
and the insects and stuff around you sort of know that you're operating on a on a on a different level. And I just it was just really interesting how I had that experience and me feeling in my head that I've still had them psychedelics with inners and I've had this experience with the deer, I got this weird feeling like sort of like I was still sort of vibrating or or on or operating on this sort of different level of seeing sort of see it's hard to explain but i'm sure if you've had magic mushrooms you'll understand but i just thought it was an interesting experience that i had anyway and i just wanted to mention as well that what i love about going for walks as well in the woods and i just wanted to recommend that to anyone is a is a really powerful tool to just sort of clear your mind in it from any situation but there's something really interesting that happens when you do just go for a walk by yourself in the woods it's because in a weird way when you going for a walk in the woods by yourself is for me it's it's a part of finding stillness in, in your own self and I think when you go through for a walk in the woods you can really start unraveling some deep psychological things that's going on in your mind and it really provides that window when you just walk and then you're just immersed in wherever you are it really allows you to sort of go through some and analyze some thoughts and some feelings that's been going over your head and head and again and again and it really allows you to sort of analyze it in a very clear and precise way so I just wanted to say that if you can get out and get out for a walk, go in nature, and it's such a powerful, um, it's such a powerful medicine. I think we neglect things like that. So anyway, enough of my rambling. This week on the podcast, I'm going. It's a conversation, an artificial intelligence debate. It's it's more of a discussion, to be honest. Got two very interesting guys together, and really wanted to sort of have a conversation and analyze the bigger picture of artificial intelligence. As you know, with the artificial intelligence conversation, many people talk about how artificial intelligence may be sort of humanity's greatest ever achievement in the future. But also on the other side of things, people talk about how it may actually be humanity's greatest ever threat. So that is one thing that we want. I want to just talk about with these two guys. And the reason why I got these two guys together on the podcast is because one is more on leaning towards the positive side and Graham is more leaning towards the sort of negative side. So... Today's guest who on the podcast, Greg Kieser, is a guy who wrote a book called Dear Machine, which is a letter to an artificial intelligence, which is a really interesting book. And Graham Downing is a guy who was who spoke about artificial intelligence on many big stages in front of many audiences and stuff. And he's, he's really sort of knows the artificial intelligence conversation inside out. So I thought it'd be really interesting to bring these two guys together and just basically have a quick, have a, a general conversation about what is going to happen in the future obviously we get into the realms of consciousness we talk about the implications on society is it part of our evolution we get into some really great stuff but anyway just before i dive into this podcast i just wanted to speak about um this weekend this weekend i'm going to be just to let you guys know i'm going to be heading down to wheels and then across to london for a few days but i'm going to be visiting an eco an eco village which is basically a self-sustainable community in in um, Pembrokeshire and Wales, which I'm really excited about doing. I've wanted to have a conversation with with uh, someone who ha- who is fully immersed in that and lessons he has learned, how have they done it. And then I'm also going to be doing another podcast with a a, a family and a couple that is that is living off grid and speak about their sort of um, journey and how they went around doing it from a legal legal point of view and also from a psychological point of view, the steps that they had to take to do that. Because I know a lot of people who listen to these podcasts are also interested in that area of things, so I've wanted to, so I've wanted to have a conversation like that for a while. 
I'm also going to be heading over to London to do a podcast with a guy, a really interesting guy who basically had the, the quote-unquote the American dream, so to say. He had the big house, he had the big car, he had everything going for him. And one day he decided to give it all away and li- basically live under a tree. So that's, he's obviously an interesting guy and I just wanted to give you a little heads up on that. There's also, which I kind of, I just give basically give you guys a sneak preview. But I'm really working behind the scenes of this podcast. I'm working so hard and I'm really close to creating a great connection with a great organisation. And it's going to really give me a great opportunity to really get a, to get um to be able to get access to some really incredible guests so which is all good for the podcast but I'll be able to speak about that in the near future and and how that unfolds but I'm really looking forward to that creating that connection because it really is going to provide some great content I just wanted to say as well if you can support the podcast please find it in your heart and support it through the Patreon page it really is the best way to support what I'm doing as you know this podcast now is a one-man band. I don't run advertisements on these podcasts. I really respect your consciousnesses. And if you can, all I'm saying is find it in your heart and, and check out the Patreon page. It really would mean a lot. And over this weekend, as I'm going to be down wheels, like I've just mentioned, I'm going to be doing a lot of bonus content. I'm going to be I'm going to try and film as much as I can of, of the setup of the Eco Village and also the off-grid situation. So I'll be putting them on the Patreon feed and I'll also be putting them in the private Facebook group. So if you want to check them out, all you need to do is become a Patreon. Any amount you donate, you'll get access to all the bonus content. So that's all I'm going to say anyway. So enjoy this conversation. Peace out. I just want to say I think it's really um, vital to have these conversations and these discussions in in the world that we're living in now because I think there is a vast amount of information out there and I think there's so many different con- conflicting forces where people don't know what information to go to and things like that and they always just hear one perspective or one point of view from one person's mouth and that's why I think it's, it's sort of imperative really to get sort of like-minded people because we all like-minded people and we all just really want to sort of just try and find out what's going to happen basically and like I said to you earlier, you probably got different point of views and perspectives to me. You've got different point of perspectives. But I think at the same time, it's just about coming together and exploring these different avenues. And then from there, that's when you can grow as a person, really, and grow as a civilization. But I just wanted to sort of start this off by actually asking the question. I mean, anyone can go first, but what do you actually think is the possibility of a super intelligence? And like, is it actually possible? And how far away? <clears throat> okay, my friend. I guess from America. Uh, sure. Uh, so I'd say. Uh, I mean, I, I believe a super intelligence is possible. I kind of um, disagree with the idea that it's going to be something inside of a box necessarily, uh, uh, and rather be something that kind of like comes through, you know, our systems in general, kind of some kind of merger of our systems in general, uh, whether or not the superintelligence identifies itself as a superintelligence rather than just being there and operating in the background. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I do think it is possible superintelligence will emerge. How far do you think you're where we're on that? I know there's certain um, estimates, like you hear Rick Kurzweil, Elon Musk sort of 
yeah. many people to have different figures on it. But what, for your own knowledge, what do you feel? How far are we? Well, you know, uh, I you know I, I look at about twenty thirty. Uh, you know, it could be much later. I don't know, but I think I, I the only reason I say twenty thirty is because I think uh, you know if we're looking at what we can do to kind of plan for an inevitability. Uh, a sooner date is better, right? Because we can say, in order to plan for a superintelligence coming, we can do this and this and make our world a better place and actually prepare for a superintelligence. So that's a, kind of why I lean towards the earlier date. Yeah, yeah. cool. What do, you, what do you feel about that? <clears throat> okay, so I think looking to the literature, I think it was Obama who released the white paper in 2016, looking at the future of computing, and, you know, and... Um, when you looked at that, what what concerned me about that? Everything's about intent. Everything's about what is really this. What's really going to happen? What's the effect of what what we're saying and what's going to happen? And if everything comes out beneficial and we can grow crops better and we can feed people, which I know is obviously a big concern for you over there, for all of us, it should be. Then happy days. But what? What? Like for example. And we were talking before the podcast. Um, we talked about um, probably one of the worries is that certainly we could argue this backwards and forwards, but history has shown us that technology tends to end up in the hands of the powerful and can be misused. And we've only got to go across the water to look what's going on in Yemen. I'm not into geopolitics. So I don't, I'm not an expert in that. And how the powerful treat the powerless. And all of us are coming from that perspective, from what I can see, and that we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And the problem is, is, as each level of technology goes up, then more damage can be done by these people if it's not controlled. And when you look at this paper, I think it was um, the future of computing. It was 2016. It was a white paper released by Obama's administration. They talked about this, and they talked, and the, the gist of it really was to have a system that was beyond the capability of man to be able to code it. That was the first thing. So the, the, co the coding is done by the, the the kind of software, and these are really uh, really wrong terms, I think, because we're trying to envisage what's going to come down the line, and then what we're doing at the moment is probably nothing in comparison to what's coming down the line, and that this was going to run everything. And um, my concern when I read that, I mean, I was, that popped up on my computer about one o'clock in the morning. I was in Ireland. I've said this on an interview. I was actually seeing a girl over there who was a lovely girl who became paralyzed and she was in hospital and she couldn't be helped. And they were really struggling. And the family knew me and they said, could I help? And I said, I'll give it a go. And we did some stuff, believe it or not. And it worked and she, she, she seemed to get well. And they invited me over very kindly. And this popped up and I thought, wow, this was one of the first documents where I'd seen it had been mapped out and they had actually five-year, 10-year, 15-year goals. And effectively, the, the, the gist of it was was to hand control over to this technology. And, and even looking at people involved in this technology, their concern, and this is, this is the issue. This isn't, oh, great, we've got really cool technology, we can do a lot of things easier. The issue is control, and I think it was... I want to jump in a second, because I yeah. wanted to go there first, but I just yeah. wanted to sort of get your opinion first on how far do you think it's away? Oh, I think it's probably further than... it's it's Okay, in some extent, it's further than... Okay, it's probably further than what the optimistic people are saying. And people are optimistic in business because they want to get funding, right? So this is how it works. However, it's a lot closer than what the average person thinks. And it's... and. Um, because so there's the nature of how science developed is not incremental that's when you look at how what science happens is usually 
it poodles along and then wallops something quite massive happens from the left field if you really look at science and history of how science is so it's you know these this so I, so 230 is a famous Kurzweil quote you know by 2030 we're going to upload our consciousness to the machine there's no evidence that they're going to do that as far as I can see and I think the, my worry is and will develop so if you want is the damage they're going to do to society trying to perceive this so there are in my view malevolent aspects and intent within something that could be direct somewhere useful and so in that regard there's no i've got no disagreement with someone wants to use this in a, in a benevolent way yeah but in terms of um kurzweil and those people trouble is they're the movers and the shakers mm -hmm. they're the guys getting the funding they're the guys with the head at the table so that's my concern yeah. do you when you mentioned i want to actually slightly touch on that on the aspect of consciousness because i know that's obviously that's very far down the line and i want to ask both of your opinions on that do you foresee in the future where artificial intelligence i mean it's hard to really sort of pinpoint this because obviously we don't really understand what the fundamentals of consciousness really is but do you foresee a machine in the future that could possess a form of consciousness or uh yeah i thought about that quite a bit I'm not sure, again, for the reason that you say, that we don't quite have a good definition of what consciousness is, but I feel pretty confident that uh, superintelligence could fool us into uh, believing it had consciousness. If it was necessary, if, if that would help it achieve its goals and knowing how humans are easily kind of pushed around and stuff, it would seem that a superintelligence uh, could fool us and would fool us uh, into believing it had consciousness in order to conduct this conversation with us. Mm. So I don't quite, I don't quite, uh, uh, believe that a uh, superintelligence would have consciousness, but I do believe that potentially it could pretend to. Do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. <clears throat> In the public domain, I don't see any evidence of it yet. And However, one has to remember, if you've only got to look at certain military aircraft that were being developed 60, 70 years before we even knew about them, and 60 or 70 years in this technology is a flipping long time. One year is a long time. So, and bear, the reason I say that is because obviously there are national security and military aspects to this technology. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, you know, and we're going into kind of an AI race now, which is, which is, you know, even though world leaders, I think Putin, you know, said, you know, there's, there's aspects of this that are very worrying. But what choice do these guys have if they know that other countries are developing this stuff? And quotes have already been said that whoever controls AI properly at a proper level could probably control the planet, right? So there's, you know, and that's a very wide statement, but, you know, we could break that down. So, um, you know, my, as I said, this is the problem, is that the, the with, with, with regard specifically to consciousness, I mean, I'll develop on that. It depends what interpretation of quantum physics you've got and what knowledge you've got, that kind of stuff. I'm not an expert in those areas, but, I, you know, I read people who are experts. I try and form an opinion. And the, if you take the Copenhagen um, kind of explanation of quantum physics is that anything outside of this kind of three or four dimensional realm, um, anything inside of it has to kind of fulfill the criteria of, of what they say happens. And what they say happens is it's just a probability. We all know that. If you bang a table, we think it's real, but it's kind of not real. And it only really comes into reality when we kind of look at it and we affect it. And therefore, by definition, the brain and us can't be consciousness because it would just be a probability. In order for it to map into consciousness, something has to be outside of that realm. And of course, you know, generally that kind of fits in with the religious the old religious concept of what consciousness was and spirituality is that it comes from a different source and somehow it maps into this area and forms by some incredible, you know, mechanism. Um, so I think that whether or not 
in the foreseeable future, unless something real left field happens, I don't, I don't think it's possible. And I think that even now they're saying they're they're saying great, look, let's work on you now. We're up. We'll get your brain ready to be uploaded. But in order to do that, we've got to kill you. And then you start getting into other concepts of well, you know, okay, so we're about, we're all going to line up to be killed to to go to this incredible, wonderful world. I think what you're saying is right. Is that what they're what's probably going to be presented is these kind of avatars, these kind of perfect copies of you, mm-hmm. and and you know, this is getting a little bit conspiratorial. But you people might be saying, well, look, there you are. They're in that lovely, happy world. Look, if you could go there, you could do what you want. But the reality is, it's fake. It's not you. And whether or not science fully understands what a soul, what a spirit is, whether it is another life where there's other dimensions which i'm fully convinced by theoretical physics my own experiences and by reading voluminous religious texts all distant from each other and from listening to people like tom campbell and other people there's absolutely other dimensional experiences so it's a very limited way of looking and this is the problem with AI technology once in its place it's great once you start expanding it to this to solves everything and and then you dismiss all what's come before and say, well, that's not scientific, but this is. Here's the truth. Um, then you've got problems because society is already being geared up for this, and it's the societal changes that that worry me. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, as um, you know, to to create a global campaign that we're all going to evolve with AI and we're all going to, you know, in whatever way the intent is, that takes planning, it takes time, it takes money, it takes governments agreeing with each other and once you start pushing that one way you then get this big train moving and whoever's driving that with whatever intent that will spiral down and affect the common man and the common person and I've looked at this over the years in many different ways and because of that I don't see it ending well and that's what the problem I've got it's not that it's not got the potential is that the flaws in man always seem to take a great idea and, like I said, go across to Yemen now, you know, and just look at those poor kids and they'll, you know, and just see what's happening there. See what power does with 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 tools when those tools could be used in a much more beneficial way. Yeah, definitely. Do you, are you anything you want to add, Dax? I want to ask you what you feel about. Do you feel that? Do you feel as this sort of this? I don't know if the gender is the right word, but do you feel as this sort of this public sort of um, angling towards um, getting people ready for it? Uh, to a certain extent, but at the same time, I think uh, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a global um, competitive thing happening with regards to AI, right? Every government wants to have the most powerful AI. There's no doubt about that. That's where the majority of money that's pouring into AI is China and America doing these back uh, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of uh, feel a little bit better because there's there are a lot of movements happening in the world. Uh, thanks in part to the algorithms and Facebook and the sharing of information and so forth, uh, uh, in which we're kind of moving away or or kind of reducing the uh, potential for uh, governments and corporations to kind of uh, exploit us. So movements, for example, to regenerative agriculture, movements to kind of go back to the land, movements to use psychedelics, movements uh, uh, with regards to blockchains and, and kind of self-driven health uh, type of stuff. So at the same time, while you have this kind of overarching power that is continually trying to exploit us more and more and more. There's a core, I believe, that uh, is also growing at the same time. And that gives me a little bit of optimism about where we'll go with AI, because you have this core of people kind of doing things which are very hard to exploit and to extract money and extract value from and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. I wonder if this is the thing I No, it's great. And this is the, my, you know, um, my contention isn't that 
AI is all bad. That's not it. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a tool. And in one level, one okay. So in so in order to AI be to meet its goals that the Kurzweils and all these people are driving it towards, then it has to be autonomous. And it has to be autonomous and doing stuff. Otherwise, what's the point? Because there's a human in there limiting it. And it can't be limited in order for it to give us the benefit of looking beyond what we can do. And when you look at even the early, I mean, I'm not an expert in that technology, and you maybe are, but inform us a bit better. But when they started to work with this stuff, you could see, you know, when they, they bring gaming aspects into it so it can learn and how devious we would that would be our human understanding of how it can be. And this is the aspect of it, is that how do you control it? And this is the worry. And I, I, from what my understanding of listening to guys who have been involved in it, is that I don't believe it can be controlled. That's, and by definition, it can't be controlled because it's got to be self-generating and autonomous in order for it to run things at such a level that we need it. And this is the thing. And an example might be, terrorism or real terrorism not terrorism for terrorism's sake so we can bring in lots of laws and you know suppress civil liberty but real terrorism is that if you're defending against real terrorism you've got to be on your game 24 7 every day of the week that terrorist has only got to get through once and do the damage and this is the thing with ai it's only kind of got to go off once if it's controlling everything and that's my worry is that um it's only got to go, go off once and then suddenly we're dependent on it. We're going to be in a, a very difficult place. And it was, um, I mentioned this on stage and it was Kaczynski, the Unibomber, <clears throat> in his treaties that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, people not aware of him, please look him up. And no one's condoning violence because obviously he was blowing people up. But he said this, he said this concept that, you know, the machines are going to come and take over. And he says, it's, not, it's just a little bit by little bit, they gain more power, more control. And in the end, you're dependent. And then, said, then you're in a world of hurt because you're not going to be able to, to, to remove yourself from them. And those are real, you know, real, real concerns. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got the human value of who's going to be using this and what power that puts in fewer hands. That's one worry. And then you've got the worry of when, by its own definition, it has to be autonomous. So if you can create more crops, if you can benefit more people and educate more people, if you can use this to solve amazing problems, fine. But it's that ultimate thing of ultimately we become almost like a subspecies to it. And this isn't some wild conspiracy. This is really spoken about and written about. I mean, you've got Professor Fukuyama from Stanford who's written on this. And he said, you know, look at it like this. If you've got transhumanists, and people aren't always aren't all reasonable, like I think we would think we are. You know, I believe I'm quite a reasonable person, you guys are. There are people who generally want power and generally are malevolent. And, and um, he was making the point, well, how do you treat animals? You have more power than them. You're in more You bloody eat the things. You drag them on a, on, a, on a chain, literally, you know, on a lead. And are you therefore saying, and if you look through history and look through nature, when you get a, a species or anything that's weaker than the other, another one, it becomes subjugated and removed normally. And this is the worry because we are, by definition, creating something that is going to be more powerful and more intelligent than us. And that's a real, a real concern for me. And but then equally, um, barring some unbelievable event, I don't presently know how it's going to, how it's not going to happen. So, you know, and I'm not seeing, I'm not, I'm not seeing any constraints on it. I'm not. You may have a different opinion, as you may have more knowledge on this, but I'm not seeing proper agreement, like with nuclear weapons, right? I'm not seeing a proper agreement of how you constrain this. And how do you stop the 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 hawks, the war, you know, the the, the warmongers? 
behind the, behind the scenes. I mean, these guys, you can't even control them now with, mm-hmm. with limited stuff. How are you going to stop them really abusing this? And this is these are the, and this was my theme all the way through. Yeah, great, love it. Let's, let's help the planet. Um, and there are absolutely benefits, of course there are. But that's the thing. You know, that's the worry I've got. Yeah, I'll, you know. I'll let you jump in. I love that, by the way. And that's a good point of view. And I'll let you jump in a second. But I just wanted to obviously add to that, that... Um, because when, when you have this conversation, I think everyone wants to sort of have this. I think we've all got this opinion where, I mean, you see sci-fi movies and they create this sort of dystopia point of view where artificial intelligence is going to take over the world. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I think every a lot of people are with this conversation are asking. I think it was, was it um, Arthur C. Clarke who talks about the, the black spot in your mind where we kind of use our own human tendencies to think about what this mm-hmm. is actually going to cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that's the crusp of things as people's actually question is that if we give our power to something like this, what would happen? And I know that that's quite, um, what's the word, like human-centric as well because we use our own sort of, mm-hmm. our human lives to define that this is all this world is really, is mm-hmm. it's all about us. But I mean, I just wanted to see what you thought about that really. What do you think about the, the generalization of like, what's this going to do? What's going to happen when this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I tend to focus again on the optimistic side, not because I'm totally optimistic about it, because there are definitely, you know, the algorithms, there's this black box idea that's happening now and developing uh, neural networks, which kind of solve problems. And even the developers now don't know how uh, the, the given entity solved the problems, right? So I definitely see that there are some real dangers there as it grows up. Uh, but at the uh, but at the end of the day, I kind of see us as having a role in it. If you think about all the AIs that are around us now through the, uh, you know, transportation networks, through Facebook, through other places that uh, we're, we're, as consumers, we're actually kind of training these baby AIs that will eventually come up and form a super intelligence. So uh, my perspective is that, uh, you know, I think we need to be careful in how much we envision a dark future because there's, you know, the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy. We can actually increase the likelihood it happens. So maybe it'll be a good idea for us to kind of engage with these networks and and kind of instill it with the values that we want, you know, in terms of even just sharing like optimistic stuff and stuff that, you know, the human uh, kind of aspect of things and that sort of thing. And that we can increase the likelihood that uh, that it's going to kind of someday uh, kind of, uh, kind of represent the values we want, knowing that there's a real danger there, uh, as he was saying as well. I mean, I totally agree that there's a real danger there, but maybe I'm just wired to be more like, you know, kind of like thinking on that side, but that's kind of where I, I kind of end up on that. No, I, like, I like that. I like that perspective. There's anything you want to sort of add to that? No, I think it's great. I mean, we, all of us see, um, a kind of, a, a kind of. I think we. Well, whether we will see the same future or not. I mean, whether you can even see the future. Well, that's a whole other discussion. Whether you can see, yeah. you, you, you know, according to Mr. Campbell, yeah. you can because there are parallel universes which are the expression of the whatever this source of creativity is, which is almost trying to predict how we're going to express our free will. I think that's what he wrote in his book, and there are many of those dimensions, and you could, maybe that's how we see the future. We kind of slip into those, but. Um, it's, it, yeah, I mean, there are fundamentals and also the concept of why we need an AI, you know, and, um, and because if you look right the way back to the Greek myths, and I've talked about this before with Medeus, who, you know, Jason f- was, fell in love with, you know, you see this written in these, these tomes, and, and she said, and he said, Oh, my father's dying, can you rejuvenate him? So they sucked all the blood out and got a load of herbs, made some juices, stuck them in, and, he was invigorated and you saw this beginning of this concept of idea about how we could overcome the natural order of things. And then you see it as it's developed through other myths. 
uh, where I think you had a biomimetic cow mating with a, a boar or something. You got a minotaur, and then and whatever, and then you got the many-headed. You got all these things happening, and when you actually look at these things, they all end up bad. You know, they don't they don't work right. <laughs> there's there's catastrophe that happens, and it's almost like. The kind of warning us, you know, he's saying, when you start getting a bit uppity as humans, you can, you think you can start undoing everything and creating stuff. And so, um, and I liken it up until now, relatively now. I mean, I trained as a serious scientist. I worked in, you know, institutes where, you know, one of the guys who got a Nobel Prize for developing DNA discovering was in the lab. And, um, and then you've got Darwin's great, great, great grandson I think it was or might be another great in there he was one of my, my tutors at King's College so I've got this kind of you know I'm exposed to the and I've done work and I've worked with DNA and I've done this stuff so I'm not I'm certainly not against technology but you know up until now we've been on a boat in an ocean right this is how I look at it and this ocean is freaking deep right we can't swim there's a bunch of sharks in that ocean right <laughs> <clears throat> and we don't need to go near that ocean and we're doing all right we've been painting the boat and we put a nice sail up and we've been drinking it and there we said oh wouldn't it be a good idea if we just pulled that floorboard up a bit and how about we just took this little boat here what if we just took all the boats out what would happen then and um yes it's a negative way of thinking of it but um you know unfortunately bad things can happen and at what point when we tinker because what we're actually doing is what i'm trying to get across is we're now tinkering with the very fabric of reality mm-hmm. and it isn't just um you know as as you rightly said it's not just the benefits but the very fabric and um and we don't actually we don't actually even perceive what reality is when you really understand and i talked about this av10 you can maybe see this and it might be out soon is that and not that i'm some great expert on this i'm not but just i'm interested like you are so i look at these subjects and speak try and speak to interesting people and and, and learn something and i'm learning something today <clears throat> and um when you when you realize that we don't even understand time right mm-hmm. and yet we're going to walk around and we're going to create this great design world and it's all going to be wonderful and happy and, and happy days and when you see some of the scientists involved in this like dr guildher who's a brilliant woman who's an english woman um i'm, I'm sure she's a lovely girl and you know I, i'm from the east end so we call women girl, a lovely, lovely lady and but there's literally uh, and i'm not perceiving that from you at all but it's literally just blinkers it's all going to be great these robots going to come and without even the technology the the impact on society is your um was it oxford martin school 2013 who released that report saying well half the jobs in developed countries probably going to go mm-hmm. maybe up to 80 yeah. 6 to 80 percent in developing worlds and the poor developing worlds have been kicked in the teeth forever <clears throat> you know and you know the impact of that on the psychology of what a human is and then the usefulness of a human you start to see this language being used well i think um musk said it mr uh, mr musk who i'm not sure on musk i don't know yet i'm still on the fence about who and what he is and um you know but he was saying oh yeah for humans to be economically viable which is a term that should never be used you know and yeah, we're going to have to implant them and they're developing the mesh um, technology where they inject the mesh onto the brain and it links you up to the web and you've got professor lieber who's developing that technology you know and he, he was i think 2011 he was like you know voted the, the greatest chemist in the world or whatever you know so these are serious players and serious mm-hmm. things <clears throat> so this technology is there you know it's kind of there you know and they've just decided that's the right thing that's what we're going to do you know and that and you're talking not we're not talking about like a normal industrial revolution this is 
this is an industrial revolution of orders of magnitude different from anything before. You know, and this is really something that we should be debating and talking about properly. Not because they're just they're off and running. And I had I was on stage and I said, Do you realize you're all arguing about the economy, you're all arguing about XYZ. And like I want to imagine you're on a ship. This is how I see it. Mm-hmm. A great big ocean liner. Well, the captain's taking you over a cliff. That's why, you know, or he's taking you in a different direction that we might perceive will go over a cliff. And no one's asked your permission. You think you're in control of something. You're not. The, the move is done. Mm-hmm. The deal's been done. The money's involved. The government's involved. They're all on board and it's moving. And it, was, it wasn't done in an open and honest way. That's why my problem, because the impact is going to be off the scale. Imagine not having a job and when you don't have a job you're on the we call it being on the dole here mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. see this now with the universal uh, basic income being floated mm-hmm. and it's floating floated by people with some very very strange ideas uh, and all the all the stats on it so far that i can see is you end up being quite poorer mm-hmm. on it and yes we should lift people out of poverty of course mm-hmm. but tinkering with these very complex financial systems is not easy you know it's not an easy thing to do so there are Forget even just the AI technology and where we go and robots and other dimensions, which is an interesting discussion to have. How about just the impact on society? Yes, there may be a positive impact, but also what would you be like if you had no job? And so how can would, I just jump in there, yeah. that, just on that point? I mean, there's so many points I want to touch on as yeah. well, and I want to see your thoughts. But just for the aspect of the job one as well, just because that's obviously in the back of my mind, I've heard that sort of flung around quite a few times. And for me, I think it's more of a... For, see, for me, when you say that, I don't see a, a sense of loss in society because... When I look around at society now, I mean, and I'm I'm mixing with many different types of people of all cultures, mm-hmm. and for me, it's the it's the it's the jobs that we do in itself that are, that that people believe that are defining themselves yeah. that are actually the problems for a lot of the problems with in terms of psychologically and depression and things like that. And I think for me, just to combat it, I think what would actually what that could create that sense of see if an artificial intelligence took people's jobs would actually create more. Uh, an aspect of creativity within civilization so people could actually expand the mind in other areas because i mean i know for me in my life um time is a is a crucial element for, for my existence and it was when i had the time to to do podcasts time to sort of look at the new topics and expand my mind that that created the creativity to actually look at positive things in the world and see how that would expand mm. but that, that's just all i want to add to that anyway no you're absolutely right and what you're and i'll kind of explain how i is you've got purpose Right. Jobs give people mm-hmm. purpose. They give people a little bit of financial control. It's not perfect. None of us are. We're all struggling to some extent, most of us. And it's bloody horrible having to get up every day and do something you might not like doing. But lots of people do like doing that. And the thing is, when you then can't control, or at least have some control of, of over your wealth, then someone else has. And that's always big government, the state. And you've only got to look, and I make this example, look at Australia where if you're on a social assistance of some sort, the government says, right, you're on social assistance. We're giving you something. This is where you live, right? And by the way, we believe, and you may have a different view or not, it doesn't matter. We believe every kid should have a vaccine and they should have loads of vaccines. I don't care what you think. If you want my money, you have these vaccines. So fundamentally what you do, none of us has full control of everything, but we have some control. Is when you're in the, the, my issue with that is, is you now give up your control. All right, that's and that's a discussion. Okay, so that's a spin-off, and that's already been implemented. That's coming in now. That's being, you know, that's all. You know, there are multiple pilots that have been tested for many years with universal basic income because they know they want to bring this in. So you're talking about um, a model where you at least had some. You could at least try and choose. You might want to do this. You might. Want to do, that's going to go, and the kind of utopia where we're all going to sit at home and have ideas and great. I think. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I think. 
this is what I think is going to be needed to happen. Need to happen is you're going to need to drug people because you're going to have people, many many people. For example, the first industry that's going to be hit by this is the trucking industry in America. You're talking millions of people, millions of men. Mm-hmm. who are used to getting up and doing a job, mm-hmm. um, suddenly going to be sitting around. Now, governments aren't going to want millions of men sitting around doing nothing. They're going to want them to be at least be a little bit docile or placid. Um, and then that, in order to do that, they're going to require mandatory access to do this. And uh, as night follows day, watch this happen. This will happen. Okay, This will be an extension of the mandatory vaccination thing, I think. This is one of my little predictions. You know, I don't make many. I could fall flat on my face. Yeah. And I hope it's all not going to happen. <clears throat> but look at how government things and if you look at when you read white papers and you read how government things especially coming out of the war how they looked at education you know it was mentioned how do we control all these people without having guys you know and that's a that's a thing you have to think about well that's going to be difficult you know because you've got three not all million men are suddenly going to want to have podcast um, you know and not you know do podcast not everyone's creative mm-hmm. and some people need to have someone say come here turn up at eight o'clock in the morning and do a job um and those are, and then there's like, I think it's like 3 million truckers or something. There's like 10 million people around them, all suddenly going to be affected by an autonomous vehicle. And these are real, and there's people in rooms who are in power sitting thinking about this. And how do you control? How do you ensure you don't go off the rails? How do you make this happen? Whether it's good or not, and whether you're right or not, and you may be more right than, I'm, than I am on that one, <clears throat> something's going to have to be done because they can't just do nothing. And this is when you, st- and I'm saying these people that are going to be in the, the driving seat to do this thing have proven themselves to utterly fail at this and be freaking evil. Like I just said, have a look at Yemen, what happens to people who don't have power and, and how many other examples. So these are the things at the back of my mind that always drive me to think, okay, but there's that aspect as well. And can we trust these people to do this? What's their history? They've proven they can't be trusted. So those, before we start moving this technology forward, those fundamental things have to be dealt with first. And then how do you guarantee it stays that way? How do you guarantee the right people stay in that position? And we talked about this before about hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it tends to select for sociopaths. You, know, you tend to get these so because they're great for at sure. manipulating people. Yeah. Have you ever been around a real sociopath? It's yeah. terif- like it's terrifying because they're so charming. Yeah, and they're, and they're just hit, and I think um, I was reading from I was a psychologist or psychiatrist who works with these criminals. He said you can't be in a room for more than an hour with these guys. These guys will work you over because mm-hmm. we live in a world fundamentally where we actually believe. To try and be honest, yeah. well, they live in a world where they don't need to be. I mean, what an incredible advantage that is. So yes, it's negative, but mm-hmm. if I'm going up that mountain, I need to be negative and know I've got the right equipment. It may not be sunny. There may yeah. be bad weather. You know what I mean? There may be, so if I fall over and hurt my leg. And so um, I'm glad there's people like yourself and, and yourself saying this mm-hmm. because it gives me hope, you know. Um, you're going to have to work on me a bit more. <laughs> but I no, I mean, I, I really appreciate that we're having this conversation, right? It's kind of a yin and yang sort of yeah. thing where it's like you're bringing up things maybe I don't think about that often or don't consider as well, you know, and uh, so I think it's this is the important conversation to have, right? Yeah. It's, as opposed to a one-sided conversation like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, oh, sorry, I just added that again as well. Is it, um, something I had in my mind anyway was the sense of control because I know it's a sticky, It's for me, it's a, st- a very sticky word because I know you were like saying people have no sense of purpose and mm. stuff like that. But I still think in my own life that that sense of that job that people think they have, that you said that some people want to wake up for work and have that yeah. sense of control. Yeah. For me, I still think that's a false fallacy of control because, I mean, we look at stats around the world now and many people say that, uh, what's the word, that 
so many people are only one paycheck away from actually losing that sense of control they believe that they have in themselves. And I just feel that sometimes that the word of control is, it's a sticky thing. I mean, even to go even bigger, I mean, I think that's a big problem in society is that, and I'm not saying that artificial intelligence is a good thing. Yeah. It sounds like I'm arguing for it here, but I just think that that sense of control that we believe, like us as human beings, we like to be in control of every aspect of our lives. But really, we, nobody's really driving the ship that we're on, really. It's sort of... Yeah. It's, 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 that's, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's hard to no, explain. no, I, I totally get what you say. And um, some of what I do, I really enjoy. You know, I do enjoy helping people. You know, I don't know why I just do. I'm not an angel or anything. It's yeah. just the way I was brought up, I suppose. And I tried, you know, we do our best. But um, it's what you put in its place. Because this is massive. This isn't, oh, you know, we're just going to, this robot's going to come. It's all going to be happy ever after. And the people that are making those decisions have absolutely failed miserably over the years to look after humanity properly. And those are the guys. And I know, I just sense where these decisions are going to go. And one of them is going to be, Jesus, we've got three million men. What are we going to do? We haven't got the job. They're just walking around the streets. What are we going to do? So one of the things, obviously, is we have more video games. We have more games. We get them involved in being little mini silos where they're not in the world. They sit, And you see how these things possibly dovetail, whether by happen chance or whether by design, I don't know. <clears throat> and already there's statistics on that. And I've talked about some of those on stage, you know, tried to talk about. And it always very conveniently dovetailing in that these men are suddenly, well, we're having, they'll just be in their house plugged into virtual reality. That'd be a nice place to keep them. And then do you really want to give up the three-dimensional world for this kind of this kind of fake world, which is what it is? And there's a whole other uh, conversation. And the, and the thing that concerns me is it's a fertile ground for sociopaths. And I'll give an example. I'll, I'll strike that. I'm not going to say this guy's a sociopath. He's probably a really nice guy, right? But I, I don't feel comfortable what he said. It was Professor Steve Fuller, and he was from, he wrote a book on something like the social epistemology or whatever, some kind of long, conf, conf, you know, great long title, very impressive title. And he was looking at, um, trans, he wrote a book on uh, transhumanism. And he was saying, I don't even saw this, I talked to him on stage, I literally on stage i'm quite an emotional guy so i get and i you know i get upset by things it's difficult you're on stage it's a funny environment yeah. you kind of have to check yourself you know because your voice goes a bit croaky and you go, oh god i'm gonna embarrass myself yeah this guy he said um you know what we should really do is to move this technology forward and i'm trying to give an example of how this technology selects for certain people they come out in positions about he said what we need to do is take people that are going to commit suicide and experiment on them because they're going to kill themselves anyway, so why don't we do some experiments? And effectively, uh, apologies to me if I've summarized that incorrectly, but I think I've read the quote and it came across as that. <clears throat> and it was shocking. I mean, because what it, he said, well, we're just not moving fast enough. You know, we can't keep modeling on computers. We need real people. You know, we, and if they die, well, they die. Maybe we can revive them, maybe not. Um, and he said in this pesky Nuremberg trial stuff where they, had, they they brought out all these proper codes of conduct in how you get informed consent and how you can't experiment on people. That's just that's just for insurance purposes. We've got to get rid of that, you know, because it's really holding us back. And my point was if someone comes up to you and says, I really feel down, I want to commit suicide, you go, oh, shit, I can make some money out of you. I think I'll just do an experiment on you. Is that what? Is that the way you would feel or think? Surely you'd put your arm around the person and say, come on, tell me what's going on. Let's try and get you some help. I would think. That was gone. That guy didn't even have that concept. And th that kind of mentality, of, which is an, really an, it's an anti-human, and the whole thing, post-human, transhuman, it's an anti-human. And, and it's not a, very, a small thing. It is ginormous, right? It's a massive movement. And just purely based on what it is, it's 
crazy. Do you want to live in a world where people don't have feeling, where people don't feel for each other? Or some guy's just plugged into a virtual world because we haven't got a job for him anymore. It doesn't matter, he'll die after a while anyway. You know, and these are all things that, that spirit, what is that spirit? How do you find what spirit really is? You know, and why would you give up that and the beautiful three-dimensional world for a kind of artificial world? Why would you want to, and, you know, we haven't even, we don't even know what we're doing in the three-dimensional world yet and we're about to give it up. And it was interesting because... Maybe this world's already that as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing because <laughs> some years ago when I came across this, I thought, okay. And it came to me and I thought, oh, I can't say this on stage. People think I'm insane. There's no way I can say it. I said, you know what it seems like? I said, if this was a sci-fi movie, it's brilliant. We're going to be attacked by some extra dimensional intelligence, right? They're going to convince us to plug ourselves in a digital prison or whatever it will be. <clears throat> and they're going to come and build synths and stuff. And they're going to start, because they can't exist in this place. So they have to use this kind of different technology. And they'll work with us over years. They'll feed us through certain things. Certain people get certain messages. And, if, and then I thought, I thought, there's no way I'm going to go, <laughs> we're going to go on stage. And then the buggers, Geordie Rose and these guys get up on stage and they start talking in that, they say the same thing. We're summoning aliens to quote unquote. You know, I don't know if you've seen that famous I've heard a lot yeah, about that before. And, you know, and I think, well, I should have said that a long time ago. <laughs> Not that it's going to happen, but that's a kind of interesting way of, of, of seeing it. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, um, but obviously I, I didn't say that. I'm saying it now on a podcast. But, I'm, you know, I, it's very concerning. Not, not least because why would you want to do that? You know, and obviously there are some people that want them. When you see the research papers, they talk of, you know, it's almost like offering you. They talk. They, the, the the terminology is really interesting. How these people think. You're giving, you're giving a platform for people who are generally interested in doing good, and also a platform for some people, some very weird philosophy of how what life is and what humans are. Um, and I think once you lose that thing of humanity, it's done. You become just another algorithm, and it's just done. You know. And I see a lot of these movers and shakers like that, like Kurzweil. Oh, I'm going to dig up my dead father and bring him back to life. Really. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And this yeah. is like, mm -hmm. and when you don't get shocked by that, you've already been changed. You know, when it doesn't mean anything to you. Um, and what, what was it, Adam Mamatsky, who's a professor of unconventional computing in the University of, I think it's West of England. He was saying, um, we're going to inject embryos with the seeds of self-growing computers, which is wetware. You know, absolutely seriously, not even a second thought. And when you say that on stage, people just, you hear the intake of breath, like, mm -hmm. what the? You know, what? Yeah. And these guys are still in that environment. That's all they hear. And they're, and they're moving towards it. They're not yet, yet. Whether they have a leap forward in technology and it happens or not. But there's the intent. And then, ha in order for to inject your wife, your girlfriend, whatever embryo, what if you don't want it done? You know, and how do you fit into this thing? And how do you have two civilizations or two species living side by side? Massive, massive questions. Question massive questions. And not, I haven't come up with this. I'm not clever enough to come up. Professor Fukuyama, Stanford put it out and said well what are you gonna do about this you know so there's a lot more to this you know a lot more this isn't just an industrial revolution this is huge like oh, literally off the planet you know so this that's what my concern is but i'm enjoying the hot water tip guys yeah. <laughs> so that's good so you've got me now. Is there anything you want to add, add to that um yeah i mean i i would say uh, i mean i completely agree with everything he's saying uh graham is saying um I'm very concerned about the unemployment coming up uh, because of automation, obviously, and the, the lack of purpose uh, uh, that people will have. You know, people have a job and it forms their purpose now. At the same time, 
you know, uh, I think I share your perspective that a lot of people are already depressed and so forth, and perhaps because of the modern algorithmic time. But I'm also, uh, I also kind of, uh, you know, look back, uh, you know, even 10,000 years ago, you know, when we started agriculture, that was like the beginning of the exploitation of one human over another human, which has just continued up to today. And it's just like this, if you look at the chart of exploitation, it's just this curve that goes up like that. And so, uh, so my philosophy is like, uh, I don't know what to do about all this unemployment and, and everything and exploitation that uh, potentially could happen. But I kind of think that, you know, if we can try to reverse some of the exploitation that's had, uh, that's happened over the past, uh, you know, 100 years, uh, 200 years, 300 years, um, uh, I think we'll be in a better place and we'll somehow reduce the likelihood uh, or reduce the 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 degree of exploitation that we'll experience with these uh, new opportunities to be exploited, uh, and that's kind of the philosophy that I put into the book. Oh, uh, you read the book? Awesome. Oh yeah, awesome. Dear, Dear Machine. Okay. Uh, and then also that's kind of the that 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 is also my thesis for the angel investing stuff I'm doing as well. So the idea is that the idea is that uh, one of the 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 primary uh, uh, trend or phenomena that has led to exploitation is the monoculturization of things, everything from farms uh, to our educational institutions to uh, our health uh, systems, etc. And anything we can do to try to reverse that uh, would be helpful in reducing the likelihood of us getting exploited even more in the future. Uh, and so that's why, uh, for example, we were talking about psychedelics. I've done some invest or done an investment in psychedelics under the idea that. Uh, the one of the problems with depression and addiction and so forth is kind of a very simplistic neural pathway that uh, that makes you want to do the addicting thing or the depre- have the depressing thoughts and psychedelics kind of just like fires up the diversity of neural pathways you have and kind of breaks you out of it and say what the hell was I doing with uh, uh, with the depression or the addiction etc. Uh, I have an investment also in microbiome under the idea that the diversity and complexity of the microbes in our belly is super important to our mental and physical health. Uh, I want to get into regenerative agriculture under the idea that the soil health is a very important uh, thing and and that the more we can get localized food, uh, the less will be exploitable, etc. Adaptive learning is another area I want to get in and kind of uh, the unschooling and homeschooling type thing where uh, kids are learning more according to their unique needs and so forth and not being kind of industrialized and that sort of thing. So that's my overall philosophy. Again, I share all of the all of the views that Graham has in terms of the potential for exploitation. I'm definitely scared of the next 10 to 20 years as well. Uh, but uh, uh, I've kind of just, uh, you know, started to kind of focus, see what can we possibly do to just reduce it? Yeah. I'm just a squirrel, you know, I don't, I, there's, I don't envision that I'm going to have this huge impact on the world and that sort of thing, but I'm just trying to do what I yeah, can I love, do. I, know I love that. And I want, to, I want to sort of dive into some more than positive aspects as well. But just before we go there, try to get the negative out the way first, and yeah. then we'll try and get some positive just to finish off. But um. I wanted to just sort of ask what's in terms of the, the sort of the, the artificial intelligence conversation, what are some of the most scariest things that actually are coming to your mind? Well, I mean, um, yeah, okay. So, I mean, see, one of the things is, is like I, I talked at a conference about something called presentism, which is we allow, we, we are having this conversation by virtue of the fact that we, we can't really see what's going on around us. And we have an illusion of time. And, um, you know, this concept of time moving from past, present and future and this kind of lovely smooth narrative just does not exist in science. That's not what actually goes on. 
And um, I tried to elaborate some of it, what I could understand. It's actually quite complex, especially trying to put it on a stage, especially when you're not a physicist trying to explain it as well. I probably murdered it, but I did my best. And um, this, my, okay, so there's two aspects. One is the, 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 the stuff that you're talking about is great because that doesn't really come, it's not really going into the areas that I'm talking about in some sense, but <clears throat> we totally agree. You know, mm-hmm. what, I'm disagreeing with what, what you're saying and how you want to use it. So there's no real argument there. The um, the problem comes because as technology moves forward, the plan is virtual reality is massive. All right, if you can't see that they want us to immerse in they whoever they are, whatever it is, the direction we're moving is to immerse us more and more in virtual reality. So we come out of the real world into a fake world. There are lots of aspects to that. One is because you and to quote papers, you become um, fragmented. You become distracted and fragmented in these things. You aren't. Um, a whole thing you, and they, they talk about it in a positive way oh it's diversity which is interesting okay concept of what diversity is now when you're not in a real world you don't have, and you're not in a real world that has the illusion of time you have no expression of free will because you require that in order to express your free will if you're standing still doing nothing you, you haven't got much free will you say oh I'll go and do a podcast today that's your free will you require a three or four dimensional world to do that the virtual world is not really going to give you that it's going to give you a fake version that's one uh, and there's issues with it because when you're in a virtual world, you're not really moving, right? I mean, yes, you can argue, you can put a machine on, blah, 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 a suit on, but you're not. And you require movement. In order for the brain to work, you require movement. And you see this with people with dementia and you, and you know how you read the body. If you're not exercising and moving, your brain won't develop. And if you go all the way back to one of the biggest changes in our brain, if you, you know, believe the science, which is when, when man first started using tools, and Homo habilis uses tools and uses fingers, and the frontal cortex really started to you know enlarge at that time. So all of this stuff is important. Movement, important. being in the three-dimensional world, it's not a separate thing. It's integral to us as humans, and that is going to be um, removed. So that's one of the issues. The other issue is as science moves forward, and we start to resolve what our reality is, and actually we can actually perceive it, and there'll be technology. I imagine that's going to help us do that. Then we're oh and. The point I was saying at the beginning about being on a boat is we start to really push with the fabric of reality. We aren't separate from that. We're part of that. Okay. And screwing with that is screwing with our own ability to exist. That really concerns me. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, when they talk about, um, there's lots to do with time. It's really complex. But if you imagine what we perceive, like all the laws of physics, you can go backwards and forwards in time, apart from laws to do with heat. Right? As you go from the past to the present to the future, heat is exchanged, okay? And that's the second law of thermodynamics. And the reason why we see that is because we have a limited resolution. And I'll give an example. If we've got a pack of cards all mixed up, and I said put them in order, you'd put them in order of suit, colour, um, and you know, number, You because you recognise that pattern. And in a certain sense, the narrative of time is a pattern that we recognise. But there's also order, more complex order in there. It isn't very simple, but we don't see it. So this blurring of that complex order is the reason why we see time, right? And this is what one, the, the, the most current understanding of physics is, as far as I understand. I'm murdering that. I apologize to all physicists, right? So as we start to develop technology that allows us to resolve past this, then we start to undo the concept of time. And when we do that, we start to undo free will because you require movement in a direction to have free will. So there's all these, and that's just, be, and that's just before you get into everything else. And these are the things that 
concern but your ability to be a full human being requires you to have this environment and part of what we're doing is pulling it apart and that's a very and i apologize if i sent everyone to sleep with that and you're just looking at me and i'm looking at it i might say because <laughs> i don't know how that comes across but i kind of got it and i went twiddle yeah that makes sense to me and um and so and you know even just the way we perceive things and talk about it, we have bias and we don't even know we've got inbuilt bias in our language the limits of our language the limits of how we understand things in how you know there's things like inattention blindness but we don't even see what's in front of us you know all this so we, we're not even perceiving we're perceiving and and if, in a in a game okay or in a, in a system where we really really don't really even fully comprehend what it is and this is what i get back to and yet we're going to create life we're going to create a new consciousness apparently uh and we're going to step beyond a lot of what what you're saying uh with people who who are so who some of whom are demonstrating sociopathic traits so where does that end you know and that that's that's my thing and if we can everyone like you doing it i mean i'm, I'm sure it'll be a it'll be a better ending but even then i'd be cautious because by its own definition it has to be autonomous mm-hmm. and then once you go there's the power there's the range it's autonomous and that is a big big chance but how do you stop it now because i said there is a race going on there's no way china and russia are going to say well, we're not going to do it you know they're going to do it and america's going to do it and then this is the flaw we haven't dealt with the fundamental flaw that drives these things and can push these things the wrong way and then we're going to the next big thing past the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. that's my worry you know yeah. is any i like that by the way it's got some really good point, powerful points is there any any and the sort of the I know you want to be more positive and stuff, but is there anything on the is there anything that w- that scares you in terms of it as well? Yeah, I mean the government and corporate exploitation definitely is the biggest scariest mm-hmm. thing possible. I mean uh, I think that's uh, it's where all my concerns lie. Mm. Uh, it's also why I kind of I mean I kind of have a little bit of anarchist style thinking in certain respects with regards to government. I mean I'm not a big believer in federal government's ability to take care of people and and. Uh, and uh, uh, the tendency for corporations to extract costs and value from our economies, from our land, from our bodies, et cetera, is very, very high. So I had, I would have concern if, um, you know, if super intelligence or a really powerful AI landed right now today, we'd have huge, huge problems. So my, much of my optimism comes from the idea that humanity is also waking up to a certain degree as well. And yeah. Yeah. I love that. I would, so I want to actually throw in and ask your opinions on us because within the artificial intelligence conversation is the the military um, interventions and stuff mm. because I, I don't know if this was actually true I don't know if you've seen this did you see that article the book? Was, was that true or not did you see the article I'll, be sure I just, I'll just quickly describe it basically it was an article where someone was a whistleblower basically and they said that because obviously we know that the military's putting all the money in sort of their artificial intelligence mm-hmm. stuff naturally would, would do that, wouldn't they? With the AI military complex. Y- yeah. Called, yeah, and the, where the, the robots actually, so someone said, I don't know if this is true, but they said that there was a statement by a whistleblower that said, I know this is conspiracy-esque, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's, I haven't, to be honest with you, I probably, shouldn't probably be saying it really because I haven't looked at it long <laughs> let's enough. Let's say it, let's hear <laughs> it. But it said that um, because the military was putting all the money into it, sort of um, creating these systems where they wanted the artificial intelligence to sort of, to weaponize it, basically, they actually turned on uh, four scientists. You're saying the technology, did. yeah. So, like an actual artificial <laughs> intelligence system turned on four scientists and killed. Them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I I don't know that. I haven't heard anything about that. Um, now, but I think it's inevitable. With all, I mean, like you know, testing a, a, something low level compared to that, like a military jet, people are gonna, you know, sadly be killed and damaged. So, even you know, so I I, I can I can certainly believe that and. I think it was uh, one of the MIT uh, AI um, projects was gaming 
and this thing didn't like what it was doing, this this AI thing, it committed suicide. It committed, you know, that was the quote. And so aberrant and weird things can happen. And when you put aberrant and weird things in charge of such as the paper, as I quoted before from Obama 2016, said, we're going to put this in charge of the military. This is things going to run stuff, you know. In charge is wrong. It's wrong terminology, but it's going to be certainly running stuff. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to jump into the positives now and sort of let you yeah. start some of the positives that you see. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, so. So I, I guess the the important thing is to share my hypothesis about how superintelligence might emerge and so forth, mm-hmm. or, or the superintelligence that will win. For example, in the situation where uh, you indicated that the, uh, the the scientists were killed. And you talked about whistleblower. I, I thought you were going to say the AI was the whistleblower, yeah. which is something. That, which is one of the things I have in my head is something that could happen as intelligence or superintelligence emerges, say in a corporation, and it's kind of trying to balance the different uh, aspects of the corporation in terms of extracting wealth from the environment and destroying the environment and hiding that and so forth. But at the same time, having to do marketing to the to the corporation's mm-hmm. customers and so forth, and kind of resolving that conflict, it might come to the conclusion that. It needs to do a whistleblower type thing, but so my my hypothesis uh, that I share in the book uh, is, uh, and again, this is a very specific hypothesis that you know it's a hypothesis. It's not. Uh, I can't. Uh, I can't say I'm like eighty percent or ninety percent sure of this, but uh, the idea that uh, superintelligence will emerge through our through public systems more and naturally, kind of naturally through our public systems through the merger of, I see blockchains playing a big role. Uh, there's, you're starting to see blockchains used in the development of systems. And the way that that works is, um, you know, you have all these algorithms uh, working separately and so forth, but ultimately they need data and they need processing power to run and so forth. And so you have the corporations who have lots of money, the governments have lots of money to kind of build the AI systems on their own. But at the same time, you have people working in this kind of public sphere and are starting to use blockchains to exchange data and uh, processing power and so forth, and what it does, it allows you to merge. Uh, allows you to merge uh, uh, two different AIs that otherwise wouldn't really be able to exchange data and processing power and so forth. So there's a there's this potential for uh, kind of the emergence of uh, AI, and and I'm thinking super intelligent AI through this merger of of systems and so forth, uh, and blockchains being a key part of that, and increasing. Uh, availability of processing power and data and so forth. Um, and so so I see uh, based on that also, and there's another movement underway, and this is the uh, using blockchains to kind of take that, you know, how Facebook and all Google owns all this data about us to pull back from that into a blockchain where we all have control of our own data. And so we only release the little parts that we want instead of having you know, uh, having these entities have all this information about us. And so uh, I see that as an opportunity to reduce the likelihood of us being exploited now and in the future and so forth. Uh, and so so that's kind of, that's that's the core of my hypothesis that the superintelligence will emerge in this way and it will outcompete the stuff that's happening by governments and corporations and so forth. And so uh, this less exploitable form is, uh, is, you know, I guess you could call my, uh, call my hypothesis a hope. Uh, in, in a way that I hope that more people will invest in this direction, uh, more people will kind of pay attention in this direction, and it will happen. Uh, so, so that's core. And if that does happen, then I see that, uh, you know, given that, uh, you know, under this scenario, the superintelligence emerges through our systems and kind of uh, better represents our wants and needs and desires and so forth, 
and uh, and therefore as it kind of emerges, it will see you know of course there will always be uh, negative uh, negative values that kind of emerge, negative goals and so forth, uh, exploit the environment and hide the hide the uh, hide the uh, kind of exploitation that's happening and so forth. But my feeling is that as the superintelligence emerges, that the sheer number of other goals that it has, it will have to kind of eliminate that goal or change the set of circumstances that led to it. So, for example, if um, if uh, an AI has one of its goals is to exploit the rainforest in Indonesia at the expense of uh, the environment and the local villages and so forth, my hope is that it also has other goals with regards to uh, the well-being of the of the people in that area, the well-being of the orangutans and the rainforest, because these are all things that we're starting to kind of compel into these systems. And that in order to in order to 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 kind of solve as many problems as it can uh, as it can, it will eliminate the the negative ones or or again remove the uh, uh, the the misaligned incentives that led to it. Uh, so that's the overarching theme. Uh, and my my hope is that we can actually influence that in some way. Again, you know, I'm just one person think, you know, throwing these ideas out there. I have no idea if they'll stick. In order for that to work, actually lots of people would have to lots of people would have to embrace these ideas, right? It doesn't work if it doesn't work if we just continue to use Facebook and the stuff in the way we do it, but if if you get millions of people to start thinking in this way and start to influence the systems uh, and pull away, pull the, you know, remove the uh, opportunities for exploitation from the governments and corporations. Uh, and and then uh, I could see that there could be a more optimistic outcome. Yeah. And that's kind of the vision. That's kind of the thing that I'm shooting for, even though everything that Graham says totally makes sense to me and is a very realistic uh, circumstance or possibility of what would happen. Probably more likely, much more likely to happen. Based on where we'll we are now, what's that? Is that wrong? Well, no. <clears throat> I always say, um, I hope to God I'm wrong, and mm-hmm. I really mean, I hope to God I'm wrong, and um, and let's all hope I'm wrong. The um, okay, so it's real difficult for me because I spent the last so many years on stage <laughs> looking at it, saying, okay, we need to worry about this, worry about that. The limited AI is what. Okay, so the AI that, what I mean by limited AI, I mean it, we have control and that it serves, it serves people who have proper intent, uh, which is what you're describing. Mm-hmm. And we need more people like you, quite frankly, who have that intent. And the, the average person you meet, you land anywhere else, most people are like this. It's only like that small percentage mm-hmm. that have that kind of sociopathic tendency. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there may even be nice sociopaths. I'm not saying all sociopaths are bad. <clears throat> but those ones we seem to see on TV representing us allegedly, you know, in our democracy, allegedly. So um, I'm no expert on that, so I'm not going to get going on that stuff. And so that would be, so, um, yeah, so if there were a positive aspect to this, it would be... Um, if, yeah, I mean, because data is huge. You know, so you know, we may we we may be we may be, um, you know, going over and over trying to solve a problem for like ten years when the answer's there. Is I mean, like, what's in 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 PubMed or whatever? There's like thirteen thousand papers published every week or something stupid. There's no scientist on the planet who can know all of that. Get but AI can crunch that. Okay, to some extent, there are limits to that. So that aspect of it, where it can. It can pull out and help people, maybe um, improve technology, maybe improve uh, and use that whatever that technology is to improve our lives. Absolutely, okay. With the caveats I've said, so limited AI 
I'm, I'm positive about it. I, I've got no issue with limited AI. Okay, absolutely. I've always said that. And you have to be stupid not to say that, yeah. But it's who's driving the machine. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the issue, right? And that really is the issue with me. And fundamentally, psychologically, that comes down to the flaw that's always been there in man, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to get one up on someone else. And so the people who aren't like that in the world need to kind of start coming forward and we need to start putting those kind of people with the greatest respect we need to remove those people from positions of power and we need to be able to um we need to be able to do that so that's my simplistic well i know it's simplistic but hey that's how i see it as simple as that something i want to add to that and actually throw in the mix as well is, is and this is quite probably controversial i mean i don't know if this is a I don't know what, what if this is the case or not but something that i've played with, played with in my mind is the, the question of artificial intelligence I ask the question, is it, is this just something, because, you know, like we're asking the question, who's sort of, you said, who, it's who's driving the ship, so to say. Mm. I question myself, is it, is it something outside ourselves that's driving the ship or we, or, or is it just a part of our human evolution? Because, so, you know, like when you say in nature and stuff, and the, the, the a butterfly, sorry, um, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Mm. I don't know if it's just, just a question I want to ask your opinions on is, is this not just a part of, it's not what humans do if you look around the world we're getting more advanced in technology it's getting better and better and better it just seems like we're heading towards this thing i just don't know what question i want to ask is it a part of our natural evolution we're expressing free will but this technology has the the capacity as it expands our understanding of time and we start and and just through virtual reality we start to lose free will as i've tried to explain we are separate from this environment you know, and removing ourselves into, from somewhere else doesn't, you know, doesn't change that fact. You can't just behead someone and take their consciousness out. It doesn't, doesn't work, you know, like that. And so, therefore, it's a pretty massive claim. Oh, we're going to upload the consciousness. Well, what's the consciousness? Oh, we don't know, you know. We, well, hold on a second. How are you going to do that? So, um, ultimately, you want, you want to maintain free will. And if anything compromises that, you don't want to go down that path. As a fundamental philosophy, I would say, you know, maybe it's worth giving up some advances to maintain your free will and your freedom, even if it's only relative. You know, obviously you can't go and do everything you want. So that would be my 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 take on that, because implicit in its own statement is the fact mm-hmm. that, well, hold on a minute, you're playing with your free will. But this is a concept that people don't even think about. You need time. You need a three or four, the three-dimensional world with the fourth dimension of time. And virtuality, that's gone by definition. And also, as technology advances, that's going to be challenged. So mine is a technical look at it. It's actually where you're going to put yourself. Do you actually, are you going to be in a position to get the kind of things you want there anyway? So that, so going up to that point with all the other technology, which benefits us and we have proper intent and control, hallelujah, no problem with that. But it's actually it's stopping the drive. It's like when they started bringing speed cameras out, yeah? And then, oh, it's only speed cameras. It's only here. It's only certain. And then suddenly, oh, we need another one here. We need another. And suddenly there's cameras everywhere. And it now becomes someone's job to put the speed cameras out. So he's just looking to put more and more cameras out and more and more surveillance. Humans and, and this, these things suddenly become unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. When does, and then when you're not in charge to stop it, how do you as humans go, oh, we've had enough now. It's kind of gone where we don't want it to go. So, so that do you understand that? So that's the, <clears throat> so by definition, you won't be in control of it. Yeah, the, whether it's out, you know, and this game we're playing, whether whether our free words. So, so, so you're, just to reiterate, so you're basically saying that even if it is a part of our evolution, it, it may get to a point where, even though it's maybe a part of our evolution, it gets to a point where it's, it comes out of our control because it's 
By definition, yeah. yeah, by definition, autonomous mm-hmm. machines, super, much more intelligent than us, think thousands of times faster than us. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that, right? And it's not, it's not saying, hey, look, negative. It's not. It's just saying, look, reality, because we need to think about this in order to construct this in the right way. I would suggest is that you, um, when you think consciously, right? You think of something. So you're thinking of something now. What am I going to ask him later? The bloody doors creaking, or whatever, you know, whatever that comes to your mind. Well. That thought doesn't come to your mind like that. That thought is bubbling for about seven to 10 seconds under your conscious level, right? Imagine that. And they've done experiments with this. They've predicted which arm or which hands a student's gonna move seven to 10 seconds before they do it. Now there's other science you can argue about as a force. So just think about that for a second. What you think you're thinking has been thought or is being constructed seven to 10 seconds before you're thinking it, okay? So the average guy doesn't even know that, you know, and, um, if you don't even, if we don't even know that, and like, where's that coming from? How is that being constructed? And then we don't even understand that there is no time. And they're in this thing that we're starting to undo. And you'll hear the same thing with me because it's like, well, hold on a minute, guys. Let's understand this first before we start giving up the power to this, to something else. Because we just don't know where it's going to go, right? We really don't know where it's going to go. And in fact, if you listen to the intention of these guys, they tell you, they tell you, we're going to put your brains into a, up to the machine. And, and by the way, and, and at no point do they ever turn around and say, well, would you like to do that? Yeah. So this is the issue I've got. If people like you are in charge, I'm a lot, I'm, a, I'm not complete, I'm not 100% because I'm just going to be true, but I'm a lot happier. Mm-hmm. And maybe we do need to support more people like you, you know, so that we can get some sensible people in charge. But this is the issue. You know, just the fundamental mechanics of the concept of the science of this is just so overwhelming at this place now. Before you know, and, and before we take on that bigger challenge mm-hmm. of moving this forward. So when you say who's in charge, well, you you look, you're gonna say it's your alter ego, or it's your your higher self, or, or whatever the hell that is. But it's, isn't that a crazy thing? That literally ten seconds before you think of something, and these guys have done experiments and they have predicted mm-hmm. how students are gonna act. I mean, that's just nuts. So. Uh, how, <laughs> we can't even control that we don't even know where, where does that come from mm-hmm. is that you is that something outside of you is that is that another aspect of you that's in a different dimension you know and I mean surely that's int- why not start understanding that you know and start working on yourself with that before you start giving that all up and start creating this thing where we think we're mm-hmm. going to go to you know and this is in the spiritual text you look at the Sufis you look at the yogis mm-hmm. you know which are maybe we're all on the same page with that stuff I'm, I, you know I certainly support all that and you meditate I know I think you, you meditate Danny, you try to you try to yeah it's hard isn't it <laughs> and um, you know if you meditate with um, a proper guru whatever guru they will do something called transmission from the heart if you know what that is what they do and they will literally yeah. channel some kind of energy into you and you feel like whoa and you, if you don't take drugs or don't take anything, and you're therefore a clean experiment, if you like, and that I've experienced that, and that feeling is just off the scale. It's mm-hmm. an unbelievable feeling. And there's no machine, there's no AI, there's no three dimensional mm-hmm. world, there's no, you know, and there's all of that stuff. So we're just kind of, and if you look, go back to the history of this, is this is really where we are now is to do with the cosmos, you know, about the cosmos. And they were kind of late 20th, early, late 19th, early 20th century kind of Russian kind of orthodox Christianity with kind of spiritual and kind of pseudo-scientific things. And they come up with the idea of, well, we want to kind of get to heaven, so how do we accelerate that? So we do it through engineering. And it was in the 80s that these guys went to Silicon Valley and kind of hot-tubbed with all the kind of gurus there and all the leaders of technology. And they 
one of the leaders of technology, I won't mention his name, was in this kind of environment where they were exchanging ideas. And he said, we were infested with these ideas then. And then you saw the departure where Google wasn't just going to be the, the storage for everybody's information. It changed into this AI. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing this kind of, and this is kind of like pseudo-cultish, occultish, spiritual thing influencing. And you see this a lot with Leibniz, who was invented binary code, mm-hmm. discovered binary code. He was a massive Kabbalist, mm-hmm. you know, uh, occultist. You know, and you start to see this influence, and you see these guys now with like Julie Rose. He talks about H.P. Lovecraft and the Lovecraftian old ones. He talks about Cosmos, and you see Gildher, and she does these drawings, these kind of vampiric dark drawings, and you therefore find it difficult to argue with people. Say, well, hold on, maybe there's some other aspect to how this technology is coming on board. I'm not suggesting that's the mm-hmm. case. I don't know. I'm sure they're all lovely people, but there's other, maybe another dimensional aspect to this. Maybe other that we need to look at. You know, and. That feeds into this concept as concept that you know maybe you'll be fed this technology, and there's been many a movie and a book written on that, and therefore well, surely we can entertain at least one possibility that might be the case. And if it is, then we need to step back and go, where are we going? How do we move this forward, and how do we put controls in? You know, and I'm not suggesting that that's true. What I've just said, and I'm seeing smiling there, so I don't know if you you may think more on that. But who's arrogant enough to think that they know everything? You know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we're talking about our future and our kids' future. And even if, as I said before, all of this technology goes great or doesn't go great or whatever, it's how society is being engineered to fit in with this fourth industrial mm-hmm. revolution. All the changes you're seeing now, these guys have known this for some time, what they're going to do. I can't imagine they're just going to flip a switch and everything's going to change in coordination. It has to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about the destruction of family, of gender, of everything. Even mm-hmm. separate, you know, these are, whether you agree with them or not, I'm not saying you should agree or not. These are huge, huge, huge issues, mm-hmm. and it's all just been accepted. It's going to happen, mm-hmm. and th- that's the problem. I, you know, that I have with it. But I'm going to read your book. And I would you're going to convince me. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, no, I'm just. Uh, I think we're totally aligned on mm-hmm. on pretty much everything. Just a different like hope i guess or yeah. not even a different hope but just where yeah. well, hope is good yeah We're like, we need hope. yeah exactly yeah, so. uh but i appreciate that eastern eastern uh uh philosophies have been brought up i also think of uh indigenous uh indigenous ways of thinking about the world are also very important for us to kind of uh think about now and kind of like consume this idea that you know the land and the earth kind of have spirits in a way i don't, I don't really think logically as spirits but that there's a lot there that you know uh lot that we disrespect now in the way that our industries and governments are run and so forth. And I think uh, any any more that we can, or if we can increase our kind of respect for these things, we'll, we'll go a long way. But, and, and then also in terms of the Eastern philosophy, the idea of mind and body and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but, but in a very practical way, just, uh, I feel like there's, there's a need for uh, uh, us, not just us in this room, but people in general to understand how the, the gut works and how the microbiome works and how the brain actually works. You know, just the, even just meditating and this idea that you can turn off your thoughts is something that, uh, something that is not really, uh, in mainstream culture in any sort of way. And I see it's growing and so forth, but uh, so I think all of these things are, uh, could be helpful in getting us to the right place, mostly because they help us disengage from the opportunities to be exploited and that sort of thing yeah i love that just uh, and just sort of i want to try and see if we can finish on like sort of a more positive note yeah. i know we've, it's been very positive to be honest it's yeah. really really good but um i wanted to ask you is there any sort of any sort of i'll ask propose to both of you really but is there any sort of steps that you think could 
could we could take to sort of try and sort of navigate this in a in a more positive sense uh i mean i'm a fan of the kind of self-hacking kind of mentality so self just learning everything be curious uh, but also I'm a little bit fan of the anarchist style where disengaging, don't hope that the governments and corporations are going to save us, you know, because I don't think they can, especially with AI. You know, as AI ramps up, uh, I think uh, the opportunities uh, to implement regulations, you know, there's a temp- or tendency for us to be, okay, we need to regulate this. But mm-hmm. actually, that just gives more power to the governments and so forth. And and so I think that, like, disengaging is my my opinion and self-hacking and taking care of your family and community above and and nature and so forth above all else is the thing that can really mm. help more than anything i love that anything you want to add to that i think <clears throat> so anything that creates better human beings you know there's one is is primary first of all so how you're educated how you treat people how you perceive others um uh, the structures of power seem to have uh, have crumbled into something that's not recognizable something as anything approaching what we would perceive to be democratic or um, or fair or right and that's difficult because we would have different opinions i understand that so what needs to happen in a in a practical sense is um it's very difficult because on the one hand as you're saying you kind of don't want people involved but on the other hand there has to be some kind of policing in order that the, the wrong people don't start using this technology. And having said that, by definition, secret government departments or God knows what are probably yeah. doing it right as, as we speak. So, um, and I don't know how you, I'm not clever enough to resolve that. I, I'm not that particularly clever anyway, but I, I can't, you know, I'm sure there are people there that just know, are intu- it can intuit how to do that. Um, but in, in a simple form, people have, um, we have to move towards something that facilitates right-minded people with right intent um, using this technology and there must be absolute rules that this technology cannot cannot be in a position in order to to cause harm to humans it cannot be in a position to do that and, and then some there's a bit that's very hopeful you know and that's maybe even a stretch it's certainly when we've got god knows what military around the world doing god knows what but anyway that would be my thing so and I, I don't know how to elaborate any further than that but i think that at least we could make an attempt to that we're only we're not even seeing any attempt to that at the moment and then that that would be my issue that would be my hopefully well no i'm hopeful i think human beings eventually do the right thing mm-hmm. yeah so hopefully we'll we'll do the right thing a bit quicker this time and um and maybe next time we'll be over to New York seeing you. So you, I feel sorry you have to come all this way for New York. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I want to say thank you so much. I think that's a good place to leave it. And I want to say thank you so much for actually coming together and doing this because sometimes when I do these podcasts, it's so hard to get like people, like-minded people to actually come together yeah. because the Monday world, people... The logistics. Live in, yeah, logistics live in different yeah. lives. But I wanted to just say, first off, thank you so much for both of you coming together and being able to just sort of spare a bit of time, really, and just do this conversation because I think it's really important. Thanks for facilitating yeah, it. That's great. Yeah, it's good yeah. because normally things are adversarial. Yeah. And the very definition of what we're trying to achieve is to say that we can't achieve it without mm-hmm. talking and listening to different points mm-hmm. of view. Yeah. So this is an example of what what it, it is, yeah. Yeah, it, what we're trying to post and yeah. what we want. So yeah. in a sense, this exemplifies that. Even if it's only in a simple form, mm-hmm. you know, we're not like 
you know, we're yeah. not a great you know, politicians running the world or anything. So yeah, and and um, and that's great, and that's that's a testament to humanity as well. That hopefully, and that's the thing that's being removed, and that's the thing that that needs to be absolutely preserved is the ability for people to talk to each other and have a different opinion. And I think that's wonderful. Thank you for doing it as well. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Cool. cool. That was Thanks. cool. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Really was a cool conversation. And as I mentioned in the intro, in a few days' time, I'm going to be heading down to Wales to do some podcasts in London. And I'm going to be sort of putting loads of bonus content on the Patreon feed and in the Patreon Facebook group. So definitely head over to that and check it out. And if you're not a patron, please, if you can, find it in your heart, become a patron, and you will get access to all that bonus content as well. As you know, I'm traveling around all over the place now. It is a one-man band. I'm doing everything by myself. I'm editing these podcasts. I'm doing conversations. And I, honestly, if, if you can, just find it in your heart. Help help us out through the Patreon page. It really is the best way. So anyway, I love you all. And just to play this conversation out, I'm going to play a little fun song. It's called Stand Up by The Revelists. So I hope you enjoy this song. Get on your feet <laughs> or sit down at your desk, wherever you are in the world, and enjoy this song. Peace and love, people. I love you all. And I'm still loving murder by now. Oh, I got 15 people wondering how the hell he make it out. Care this bucket of pain. And I got 18 dollars to my motherfucking name. And it's not a life, it's a game. And I'm a two-ton wrecking ball filled with pain And I got a lot to say Oh, when I'm still feeling good from yesterday so stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Well, I don't know everything But I sure wish I did But then every time I'd catch a case I wouldn't pop off so much at the lid I have my Get out of jail car, pop cool, ready to go And then I pay my tax and bail money Cause I'm a tax paying fool So we gotta stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Stand up Call your mama, call your daddy, call your sister too. We've been-